What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Today, we are chatting with Kyle Parsons, the founder and CEO of Indosoul. Indosoul is a really innovative shoe company, but also now innovative technology company. They started out collecting tires from Indonesia, just off the streets, essentially, <laughs> and making uh, sneakers and flip-flops out of them. So as you can probably tell, rubber is a very durable <laughs> material because the first tire ever made is still out there somewhere. So that serves a great purpose for durability, but it also causes an effect when your tires go flat or they get old and they can't be used no more because they end up in uh, landfills or they're burned um, or they end up in the ocean. So there's a lot of adverse effects to the life of a tire because it is so long that Indosol wanted to, Indosol and Kyle wanted to find a way to combat that issue by taking tires out of landfills and before they, they go to the ocean or they get burned and create a product out of them that, that we as consumers can, can purchase and and uh, affect the world like that. To date, they've saved over 100,000 tires and uh, their growth has been has been awesome. They've been through a bunch of iterations of, of Indosol and trying to figure out how to, to get their story out and their brand out to a wider audience. Uh, they took a year off to develop a, a technology that can change, perhaps change the entire shoe industry eventually. So they created technology where they can now produce thousands of shoes uh, a day out of these tires and uh, and be a, a, a leader in in uh, ethical manufacturing and environmental manufacturing for the shoe industry. Um, so it's a it's a really cool conversation. I, I caught him at a weird time. He was driving to San Diego um, to do a sales call. <laughs> um, so of course, as a as a social entrepreneur and founder that he is, he was uh, he was grinding when I talked to him in the car. So uh, audio is a little different because it's through his his Bluetooth in his car, chatting on his drive to to San Diego. So, uh, but I really. Really loved Kyle for a while, and, and Indosoul followed them from from the beginning. It's so great to see them grow to this point and, and be a leader in um, not only the shoe industry but also the technology industry and the production of, of different type of materials. We're seeing such a, a revolution and a transition of, of using different materials that are environmental environmentally friendly and are are sort of upcycling products that that are headed for landfills and our oceans or burned or, or all these different things that have negative aspects to the local communities that that, that stuff happens in. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation and I'll see you next week. Thanks. All right, so let's start with when people, when you talk to people and you conversate with them and they ask, you know, what is Indosol? How do you explain it to them? Well, I explain us as um, a brand that's on a, on a mission to become the most responsible footwear company that we can be. That basically be begins with our, our original mission, which was preventing waste tires from ending up in the landfill. Uh, we created a unique process which turns tires into the soles of shoes and it started with a, with a very basic old-fashioned upcycling process and now we have a more uh, technologically advanced recycling process and take the tires and grind them down to a powder and make them into a mold. But the reason why I describe us as uh, you know, on a mission to be the most responsible footwear company that we can be is it goes beyond just what we started with, which was uh, preventing tires from ending up in the landfill. Now, 
uh, we want to provide a product that fully encompasses something that we promote as conscious consumerism and uh, a well-rounded product that offers not only recycled components, but also vegan uh, and natural materials um, with responsible manufacturing processes that are transparent and also rated uh, through B Corporation. Um, so that's that's really kind of our uh, our general mission. And I guess it all started in around 2004, right, with a trip to Bali that was sort of a vacation, right? And you, you kind of fell upon landfills or, or did you see did you see something that was different and weird and you were like wow what is this so many tires just sitting <laughs> on the beach or in a landfill how was that how did that travel experience kind of ignite uh indosol yeah well uh you know first of all bali as as a place is very captivating it's uh it's really beautiful the beaches uh and the culture and the people and the food and you know, the weather climate, everything is pretty magical over there. And uh, a lot of people will, will, will ride, go, go to Bali and then have this magnetic force that brings them back. Or, you know, <laughs> then they end up selling everything they own and moving to <laughs> Bali on this wanderlust Zen mission. Um, for me, um, I, you know, it was, it was a bit more simple, but, the, you know, that gravitational force with Bali was certainly there. I, I really identified with it and I, I knew I wanted to be there. Uh, I wanted to come back, but along the way, I was I was just basically walking down the street, and my flip flops that I were wearing at the time um, broke. The thong pulled out, and I went shopping for a new pair of flip flops, and I found this pair with a tire on the sole, and, and I had never seen that before, and it got me curious, and um, it seemed like they were, it would make a durable pair of shoes. Um, well, the other thing about Bali, which people either talk about or sometimes they don't talk about it um, because it overshadows in a way is that it has a big pollution problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of plastic, you know, a lot of waste um, thrown everywhere. It ends up on the beach, ends up in the ocean and the rivers and the streams. And when I found these tire sold sandals, it, you know, almost like a light bulb went off. And I said, wow, like this, this was a great uh, you know, resourceful idea, prevent this tire from going to landfill and just make it into a pair of sandals. It's pretty cool. Um, so it just led me into doing a little bit of research about tire pollution and what it all meant. And I found that uh, tire pollution was one of the biggest, um, you know, things affecting our, our planet, um, you know, next to plastics and, and others. So I thought that it could be uh, kind of a, a cool product that would prevent tires from ending up in the landfill, but also make a durable pair of shoes. So the idea was to be able to do this fashionably for the first time it wasn't our idea no it'd been done for centuries by uh you know mexicans africans and really all countries that have tires and have uh skilled skilled labor but we wanted to make it fashionable and create a story around it and have it tie into indonesia which was a country that actually needed help and needed needed more solutions so that was around 2004 how long so you got back from bali and you were like had this idea what were the next steps for you uh, to actually get it done? Yeah, um, right. So that initial trip in 2004, I just had a great time in Bali and I found this pair of sandals and I just I found myself thinking about Bali and how I was going to go back there and, and make the sandals and, and start this business for, for nearly two years. It was just basically keeping me up at, at night. <laughs> I, I had to get back there and pursue this, this dream. Uh, so again, I went back in 2006 and then 
06, 07, started just uh, making some samples and then coming home with suitcases full of sandals and giving them to my friends. And then I'd go back to Bali again. And I did that for a couple of years and pulled a few trips and snuck away from my job. And, uh, and then around 09, I started to ask myself, what does this all mean? And you know, can this be a legitimate business? Can I, can I quit my existing job and launch a brand? Uh, based around uh, this idea. So, you know, there are a couple influential people along the way that, that encouraged me to do it, so I finally did. Who were those influential people? Well, yeah, one started out as my, my roommate in San Francisco, and he had been successful in his own right, and he sold a software business that he had started from scratch, and he, you know, kind of pulled me aside one day, and he said, yeah, look, you know, I've been watching you sell all these other company's products for years you know you've been selling the ray-ban sunglasses you sell snowboard gear and it seems like you do a really great job for them you seems like you already know how to do it you should just launch your own brand i really think you should do it you know what i'll invest in your company i'll, I'll give you your first ten thousand dollars and help you create a business plan and evaluation if you will quit your job and do this and uh so oh, wow well, <laughs> ten ten grand that's a that's a lot of money <laughs> i'm gonna I'm going to do it. I'm going to like, I'm going to quit and I'm going to go for this. And I, I took his word to heart and I went for it. And, you know, that was, it was super generous of him. The 10 grand didn't get us very far. <laughs> we found ourselves needing a lot more money very quickly, but uh, it was, you know, just that kick to the pants that really got me going. Well, you're in a good place to go raise more money. So was that, was that the next step after the initial samples were made and, and sort of the idea of what the business model could be? Um, and this, and realizing that this could actually be done and actually happen, did you just kind of go out and look for a little bit more funding, or did you launch um, from that from that ten thousand? Yeah, well, I took that ten thousand that um, my uh, friend Justin gave gave us, and then I matched it with a ten thousand dollar bank loan, and then I set out to uh, raise some capital, friends and family, um, you know, anything from high school friends to college friends to extended family and raised a bit more money but you know honestly you, you live and you learn uh, with things like this and it just it wasn't enough and it, what I found out later is that people starting a shoe company if you're gonna really start a shoe company you get two million dollars and then you go to the factory and that's how a lot of the big companies right. do it and we we took a completely different course and really bootstrapped it along which uh, you know made, made things challenging uh, but at the same time, that was our story, and that's just how we did it. And we've managed to patch it together for years. Um, and now we're in a position that we have some momentum and we're able to seek larger capital potentially from you know, venture venture um, funds or you know social impact funds as well. Did you go back to Bali and talk to the guy that you initially bought? that first sandal from or how did you how did you get the first production run done was it in san francisco or did you go to bali and do it with people yeah. who have done it before yeah um right well i i actually went back to that shop i went back to the shop that i bought the sandals at in 2004 two years later and the same woman that sold me the sandals <laughs> two years before was right there and <laughs> actually remembered me which was <laughs> which was astounding and then uh, next thing you know, I was on the back of her motorbike and riding to her factory. And uh, the factory, I think, was in her her sister's house at the time, which 
was just a small house where there was manufacturing going. And they were making handbags downstairs and they were making garments and, you know, in another room. And then upstairs they were making uh, sandals and just very old fashioned all by hand. And we started making our first samples together with her. But then she said, look, like, I just don't really have the tools and the, the equipment and, you know, the abilities to help you make this into a real thing. And we were all, you know, really thankful for her getting us that far. We, we had to seek out and find a more equipped facility, which we eventually did. And they're still our factory to this day. And that's um, the original group of 40 people that are hand-making shoes. Um, and now we've partnered with an even larger factory for a new division of our products called the Essentials. And that was, and that's all in Bali, correct? Origin, the original manufacturing is in Bali, and now uh, the factory moved from Bali to Java, to the mainland of Indonesia. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. And so the tires that are used are, for lack of a better term, picked up in Bali and, and brought to Java, or are they collected from Java as well? I don't know if the whole island has, you know, the same landfill problems, or is there everything kind of brought from Bali? Yeah, well, a lot of the waste in Bali gets shipped off the island and gets shipped up to Java, where it all is, uh, you know, processed or sent somewhere else. But now uh, we we get the tires from local sources in Java, which is mainly around the big city of Jakarta, where there's, of course, millions and millions of tires uh, out there to get. And that's just, we will never run out of tires. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that, because... You know, we see tires every day, right? And it's something that is second nature. We don't really think much of it, but tires get old, right? They get, they go bad and, and they have to go somewhere. Um, so they end up in, you know, these big landfills. And what are some of the, the negative aspects of tires that you have seen uh, from your experience? Yeah, and like I mentioned before, it's just, it's one of the biggest environmental problems that nobody knows about. It, tires are built so well and so durable that they don't decompose they don't break down so technically the first tire ever made is is out there somewhere they mm. estimate it takes hundreds of thousands of years for a tire to break down but again we don't even know yet because tires haven't even been around that long mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um so be, because they're built so durable you know they're made with oil and there's latex and there's some some nasty stuff inside a tire if they're thrown on the ground uh or end up on the ground or in a stream they can become a breeding ground for mosquitoes which carry um nasty diseases like dengue fever or uh, malaria or zika but one of the more common things that we found in indonesia where everyone is you know trying to save a buck and um you know do things however they can they're the tires are being collected and burned um, to be used as cheap fuel, uh, mainly at factories that are making things like ceramics. So uh, like ceramic tile factories that make um, you know, tiles for anything from your bathroom, your house, your kitchen to your roof. And they're cooking the tires in, in kilns to make it hot enough to cook the ceramics. And what that does is launches this really gross, black, toxic smoke into the air, mm. which is unhealthy. So when you first wanted to do this, right, like you said, the, the, you, you chose a good material because it's, it's something that is very abundant and it's you have easy access to it. And is it do you have to buy the waste tires or do you just say, hey, we'll just pick these up for you and take them? <laughs> right. Is it how is yeah. that? How does that process work? 
well, at the beginning, it was as basic as we were driving around yeah. picking them up off the side of the road. <laughs> like, like tires were, and we have a saying at Indosol that tires are gold. Tires yeah. are gold to us. <laughs> um, so we were picking the tires up and carrying them back to the shop, and yeah, we were able to start tipping out people to to bring them over to the shop for us. And then we started a relationship with local mechanics um, in Bali. They're called Tukans, and then they would um, they would stockpile the the tires, you know, or the uh, and we would just bring them and tip them out for putting the good ones aside for us. Um, and then as time going on, as the product became more in demand, we found that we need not just hundreds of tires a year, we need thousands and thousands a year. So we've created a more sophisticated process where you know, we found stockyards where there's lots of tires sitting and we have a deal worked out with them where we can pick them up or we even have them delivered directly to us. So it's, it's free material, really. And we just take yeah. care of the people that deliver them to us. How how many shoes or soles can can one tire produce? Yeah, um, you know, over the years we've experimented with all dips, different types of tires. At the beginning, we start with motorbike tires, mm. and those were good because they didn't have any metal in them, and we could use almost you know ninety percent of the tire, and we can make uh, two pairs of shoes, so a total of four feet mm. out of those tires. And then as time went on. Uh, we found the motorbike tires weren't stable enough and they were a little too thick and clunky. They weren't wide enough for people with bigger feet. So then we started using truck and bus tires <laughs> and using the, using the sidewalls out of that. And that was good because they were completely flat and we could get up to a size 13 or 14. Um, but, you know, as, as environmentalists, we didn't feel really good about it because we were only using the sidewall. We weren't using the whole tire and all the all the metal mm. in the in the middle and we felt like it would just be more responsible to use all of it so at that point we could make about six pair out of those larger bus tires and now with this new technology we've created where we actually grind them down we can use 100 percent of the tire grind it down to a part to a powder we, we get about eight pair out of each tire but our our volume has has gone up considerably um and with that new process we can make our product a lot quicker and thus we can make a greater impact um over the course of time let's talk about that that new technology that you guys did because this is actually something you guys put r&d time into to create this new i guess you would call it maybe a material i'm not sure exactly what you would call it um but talk a, a little bit about R&D effort that went into into that yeah well you know it's as any business needs to be concerned about making money is uh, you know is is necessary to survive and uh, we grew as an organic brand for for years and we with our old process we could only make about 2,000 pair per month it was pretty laborious we were only selling about 15,000 pair a year and it just it just wasn't enough for us to cover our overhead and to, to make the impact that we wanted to do, which was saving a lot of tires, but also providing people with shoes and the demand was growing. So we needed knew we needed to change, we needed to scale. Um, so in 2017, we basically took the year off from selling and um, partnered up with a, with an engineer in a new factory and created this new process where we experimented trying to find a formula, which was basically taking uh, raw tire powder which had been ground down and then mixing it with other um you know other materials to bond mm. properly and make into a mold so that process uh, to find the formula 
is it took us took us a while you know it took us a solid half a year to get it right and there was a lot of experimentation and the soles were falling apart and then we would take out a material and switch it out for something else and we then we finally got it right and you know now it's it's a 40 percent recycled tire mixture mixed with some other recycled foam and mm-hmm. then also a bit of synthetic foam to to make it bond together and um yeah there's a few th- other things in there the secret sauce um <laughs> and you know now now we have this recycled tire sole which is super durable and again you know scalable so now we can make thousands of pair per day when we're in production and deliver to the masses and tell them our story so did you say you took you almost took a year off of selling to to do this yeah yeah it was wow. it was it was very risky yeah um because we we just we needed to change um and really the only way we felt we could do it was to commit to slowing down and speeding up um so we did and you know again it was it was risky because we needed to go out and we need to raise capital and find people that believed in us and that we were going to figure out this new formula and then then relaunch in the market with a new product and um it was hard to get through that that phase but once we got through it we saw an immediate um increase in in interest around the brand and adoption of of the product just being that much better and and more quality and the the first product was the was the essentials the the flip-flop yeah Mm -hmm. that's what we relaunched with and the idea behind the essentials um, is that it's a $35 flip-flop and we refer to it as the most economical mm-hmm. flip-flop in the world. And you know, the play on words says it all is that it's got all the good stuff, the recycled and the vegan materials and the, the best natural ingredients, but it's at a price that won't break the bank. And what always puzzled us about uh, environmental products and sustainability is that they were overpriced. It seemed yeah. like, only the elite could mm-hmm. could use these products and um, we wanted everybody to be able to play in environmentalism and to have a product on their feet that they felt good about uh, good about instead of doing what people normally do is just go with the cheapest option get it done yeah they'd like to have a more sustainable product but it's too expensive so they can't do it um, we just we, we wanted to change the game in that regard it's a great point I think it's a it's it's a thing that uh, a lot of brands struggle with, you know, is that they can be looked at as a luxury item, and that only people with a certain amount of funds can do good, right? Can can buy these products, and I think it's it's going to be the next evolution of you know sustainability products and, and social enterprises. Is the materials and and the products themselves now can compete with, you know, everything you see on your shelf. You know, there, there's not a thing in stores these days or any apparel shop you can go into where there's not, you know, an eco alternative or a, a socially conscious alternative. You know, the problem is they're expensive. And this is this is just the next the next stage in trying to get more and more consumers involved is finding a way it, like you guys did, you know, invested the time, invested the money to try to to bring that price point down. Because, you know, that that's how more consumers can could get to know your story and buy your product and then become an ab- ambassador for for your brand and your story. So I think it it was it was a risky thing you did. But, man, I think it's going to be it's going to pay off exponentially, you know, over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we we agree. And um, one of the most important things to us too is awareness. And 
um, you know, the more people we're able to get in front and to be able to tell our story um, or just have them aware of the options out there in this world is is important to us and means a lot to us. And what we find is if, if you get people people's attention and just get them thinking, um, and it may be something about a, like a recycled tire flip-flop, but they might just start thinking about other areas of their life and how they can uh, make changes on their own or just be aware of, of products in the market, all aspects of their life. How many tires have you guys saved? Yeah, um, or repurposed? at this point it's, yeah, it's uh, over over 100,000. And, you know, our, our goal is a million. <laughs> so, um, you know, we still have, we still have a ways, a ways to go. And now that it's eight, you know, eight pair, eight pair come from one tire where our volume will go up, but with new, new partners, new retail partners that are larger, we are confident we're going to hit that goal and it's not going to take us too long at all. Would, when you bet, went back to the drawing board a little bit to make this, this kind this sort of new material, was the idea is just to do it for Indosol or to create a product that all shoe companies could essentially use, right? I mean, they could, whether you want to call it like, you know, buy the material wholesale from you guys or or create some type of partnership where you provide the soles for, you know, crazy amount of shoes around the world. Is that is that something that you guys have thought about or, or ever you know, came across a desk as a night as, as a thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the long-term plan is that we're you know, ultimately we're all in this together. Um, and we want, we want to see you know, more sustainable products or more footwear using tire soles. And we are happy to be the supplier of those soles for larger companies. Um, at this, at this stage in the game, we're, we're working hard to, to continue building our our brand and you know to to build on the the story that we've created and and get Indosol as a brand out there, but there are conversations going with larger companies right now about as being a sole provider for them and their line of footwear um, as a collaboration. Um, there's also conversations with tire companies. Mm-hmm. Tire companies go through a lot of tire waste a year and they don't know what to do with tires, so we're happy to take them and. Um, and it's it's a great shoes. yeah dude it's it's a it's a great business model man i mean you can you know you're, you're you're supplying a need for an industry um and then you're just turning that into a product that is a need for people as well right i mean the flip-flops is i mean everybody owns at least one pair you know so the yeah. market is pretty big <laughs> it's, <laughs> right. it's, but it's good because yeah. You know the tire market is pretty big too, so it, it it goes it goes hand in hand, and maybe we can see Indosol tires in like Michelin stores across the country soon. <laughs> Not just REI, but you know, you know all the Midas shops and all the. <laughs> um, so you guys just opened your flagship store in Bali, correct? Yeah, we opened uh, a little store where we can tell tell the story and have the tire parts out there, and uh, it can be an educational experience as well as a place to get a new pair of flip flops. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun getting that started, and the people that we've met there have uh, yeah, been incredible and expanded our network. And yeah, Bali as as a place. Um, is becoming very popular as a trendy scene mm-hmm. and there's people doing things and 
you know, not just in fashion, but also in uh, architecture and green building and bamboo structures. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of smart people coming through there. And it's been an interesting run. Is the is the pollution problem there just lack of infrastructure and the ability to, you know, gather the, the garbage appropriately and and have the, the same setup as, as sort of we do in America where we just kind of put our trash outside, right? And it gets picked up. I guess that infrastructure is probably not there. And that's the reason for kind of trash being all over the place. Yeah. Um, well, we, we trace it back to education as a lack of education, really. And for centuries, the Balinese uh, were, weren't wearing much clothing. <laughs> you know, they were living on an island and they were you know, eating off of banana leaves and they weren't using plastic. So during those times when they weren't using plastic, they'd, they'd throw the banana leaves on the ground and then put it in a pile and then they'd just burn it and light it on fire. And then plastic came around and all of a sudden plastic was a thing and the solution to everything and they were putting it in a pile and burning it at the end of the driveway. Well, plastic doesn't burn very well. Um, <laughs> so that was one. that was one issue. And then the other was that there wasn't anyone telling their kids not to throw it on the ground. Mm. Um, not, and there additionally, yes, wasn't an infrastructure with recycling bins and uh, an organizational process like we have in the U.S. with a blue bin for recyclables right. and a green bin for compost and a black bin for your trash. There's just no bins. <laughs> right. Um, right. So, <laughs> So that, that's been a big problem, but uh, it's getting better. You know, more and more people are taking action and willing to provide that education. And we've, we've done what we can and um, you know, helping provide that education. But again, it's just, uh, we're just an example of, of one of many things that we, we can do as a solution with trash and just to get people thinking that's the goal. We had, a, we had an article on CauseRS a while back about parts of Indonesia actually banning plastic. I don't know if you if you heard about that, but I guess there's parts of of Indonesia taking the steps to actually ban the use of it, um, just because they are aware of of the problem. I think they're the second largest uh, polluter in the world behind China. Um, yes. Just just because you know the lack of, of everything you just said, and it's I, I think they're they're kind of realizing it. You know, something has to be done. You know, more people will, will come in like you and. <laughs> Get all the old plastic and, and make stuff out of it or something. But, um, but yeah, it looks like things are going in the right direction there. Yeah, absolutely. It's going in the right direction. It's huge countries, over 400 million people. That um, produces a lot, lot mm -hmm. of waste. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of motivation and a lot of smart people coming out of Bali. Um, it's, it's the home to the Green School, which is providing uh, a great education for young environmentalists and they can learn about um, sustainable living and you know all, all of that and they're they're producing some of the the change makers in, in the world right now and wow. um there just happens to be these two girls that are based out of Changu bali called the bye bye plastic bag girls and they have been uh yeah this the spokeswomen for um, banning plastic in Indonesia, and it started with just the plastic bags, and the mm -hmm. bags were everywhere. Right. Um, and then, secondarily, is the straws. Um, so they were able to, just as young girls in high school, able to work their way up and getting in front of the government of Indonesia and 
having them really take a look at the problem, which they were putting a deaf ear to for so many years. And now that it's acknowledged as a real problem, they're actually taking action. And yet they're saying that by year, I believe it's 2023, there'll be a full ban, full ban on plastic bags and, and straws. And, and then, uh, you know, and then we'll work on water bottles as well. Yep. Yep. That's the next, next huge thing. So we're going to have to just find a alternative for because people love their bottled water, man. So that, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be yeah. a tough hurdle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I and mean, it's a problem in every, in every country. So what's, uh, so it's been, it's been 10 years, man, this journey with Indosoul. So what have, what have been some of the, the lessons you've learned and some of the hurdles that, that you faced, you know, both expected and unexpected. Um, what have you learned from, from this last decade of, of trying to, to build a business? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm thankful for everything I've learned and it's been so much just anything learn, you know, anything just about, uh, you know, pollution into, um, you know, repurposed and recycled goods and, uh, what those, those capabilities are just down to the brass tacks of being an entrepreneur and a, a business owner and how to, uh, yeah, how to pay the bills, complete the registrations, um, set up a business, um, raise capital and all of those little things, which have just been an incredible journey, you know, that I'm, that I'm really thankful for each and every one of them. And I won't, I won't lie to you. It's been extremely challenging, pioneering a niche and a huge, uh, saturated market as a severe underdog coming with a new story that nobody's ever heard of. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like the universe has looked out for us and, and kept us going where, you know, when we've, we've been down with somebody's come along and lent us a hand and there are many people in, in that, in that sense, you know, for example, um, we've been financed through Kiva loans for years and I know that you're familiar with Kiva, but, yeah. um, yeah. it's a crowd, it's a crowdsourced 0% interest loan. And our first one was a $5,000 loan at 0% funded by a couple hundred people. And then we've worked our way up the ranks by taking loans and repaying them. And most recently we got a hundred thousand dollar 0% interest loan funded by over 3000 people. And that really meant a lot to us and just shows that people care and they, they back our mission. And what's wonderful for us too, is in addition to getting the money at the best interest rate you could possibly get yep. <laughs> um, to zero, <laughs> um, we get a lot of brand evangelists too, which are that's willing huge. to, yeah, to, ha- to wear our product and help us tell our story. And that's all through Kiva, correct? Yes. So they created, so they have went on, they've kind of grown themselves from doing, you know, $25, $50 loans to, you know, 5000 10000 now 100000 That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know that they reached that high of 0% loans. I thought they yeah. were, you know, still around sort of the, you know, $100, $200 for the local villager you know, trying to create a fruit, a fruit market or something like that. Right. That's kind of what they started as. Um, but that's awesome that, that they have, they have done that. So now, I mean, that's just another resource for everybody out there to, to raise money, um, you know, from, from people all around the world. Um, it's really, it's a really amazing time that we live in where if people believe in what you do, you know, $25 can go a long way because you multiply that by a thousand people, you know, all of a sudden you got some, some capital that you can, you know, you can start your dream with. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, 
Um, it, these these types of resources are becoming more available uh, now than ever. And when we started Indosol, and just even back in you know 08 or 09, there there was so little. I mean, there wasn't much access to capital for a small company like ours. Um, you really you had to know somebody. You had to go the friends and family route. And now, like you said, we're, we do live in a great time, and it's, it's getting getting better for young entrepreneurs so some of the successes have been how many stores are you guys in now we work with over uh, over 100 retailers worldwide um now uh, our next move is to set up subsidiaries in in countries so we launched indosol australia this past year and now our we have a team in australia that's based in, in byron bay australia and they're promoting the brand and selling the product and then uh, we've launched Indosol Singapore as well, um, and then we'll be launching Indosol Japan and Europe and South Africa this year as well. So we, we created this just a kind of a, a subsidiary joint venture program to partner with other people and have them adopt the brand and run it as their own business in their respective country. So kind of like a franchise? Yeah, so, uh, so more like a license. Licensee. Okay. So they will, they kind of sell the brand or will they set up a shop, like have a physical shop there? Yeah, they're the, they're the majority owners. Um, gotcha. They're, they're basically like a distributor, mm. um, but they, they register the brand, you know, Indosol Australia, for example, registered in their name, Indosol as a company owns a percentage and we give them an amazing deal on product and then they resell it and then we share in the profits. That's yeah. awesome. That's a great model in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's something we're really excited about and it, it gives us the opportunity to grow with, you know, while being restricted capital wise um, and to partner up and also give uh, other people the opportunity to uh, succeed off of what we spent years building too. So we have a great foundation and they're able to, to plug in to our systems and, um, and run it on, on their own. That's pretty incredible. I really like that idea a lot. I think that's going to be, so the idea is just to be in as many countries eventually as you, as you can. Yeah. It's, yeah. As long as it makes sense and as long as it's the right, the right partner. Um, but what we're finding now is there's there's a lot of people that want to do this, that want to they want to live this lifestyle. Yeah. Maybe on the maybe on the surface level they see our lifestyle, they're like that looks so much fun, and then you know maybe they get into it and they're like, oh, this is a lot of work too. But <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you know, it's make, making a difference and making an impact is in style right now. And uh, like you pointed out, shoes are not going away, and neither are tires, and there'll always be a need for a product like ours. So. Uh, we're doing our best to you know, to capitalize it on it and um, and and spread our wings. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, I know you're a busy guy, and the future is is going to be in pretty pretty incredible for the Indosol team. So, uh, you know, thankful for all your work that you that you've been doing, and um, for the movement itself. I think you're a pioneer. I think you know the company is a leader in the in the industry, not only shoes but just a sustainable lifestyle you know, movement and culture that that you have helped create along with, you know, a lot of other brands around the world. But um, I think you guys are, are ahead of the game and one of the leaders. So, you know, thanks for thanks for that. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep making awesome shoes. 
<laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And thanks to you too for your support over the years. And thanks to everyone for listening. I uh, truly appreciate it.